My message today is entitled, Bearing the Weight. There are many helping professions and situations in which Christians can play a significant part to bring hope and healing and positive change to the lives of others. From very early in life, we learn that being helpful to other people is one of the greatest virtues that a person can have. But what exactly does it mean to help other people? For certainly there are times where our help for those that we love does more to enable them, their poor behavior, than to prevent it. There are many times when people tell their friends what they want to hear, thinking that they're helping them when instead of telling them what they need to hear, which is the truth about a situation or how they should be approaching it. This act of carelessness disguised as help often causes bad attitudes and decision-making to get further entrenched in people who desperately need to make tough changes in their lives. And there are other times that our advice, advice is intended to help someone is misguided at best and reckless at its worst because we don't have all the facts which results in causing more distress in the end. It's not easy business helping someone. If it's true that trying to help someone can make matters worse at times, then what are we to do? Well, if you spend any time in a retail business, I happen to work in my father's Williams Cheese business. If you spend any time in retail or restaurant or hospitality or any service position, you have no doubt uttered the phrase, how can I help you? It's a question that we often ask others to get their answer, but too often we fail to ask God, how exactly can I help this person before I begin to address their need? When Paul's letter to the Galatians, he gives very practical tools and directions of our Christian responsibility of how we help others in need. So I want to take a look in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. As we break down this command, notice that it first describes someone who is overtaken in a trespass, which means a sin. There are two types of people that this could refer to. A Christian who is, or a believer who is overtaken by a sin, or a non-believer. And in both cases, the other person's willingness to get help and to want to change will play a huge role in whether you should get involved or not. But let's focus for today's sake on a brother or sister in Christ who is overtaken in an area in their life. Notice that it does not say when someone makes a mistake or makes a one-time bad choice. We need to trust each other that each of us has the Holy Spirit in our lives to convict us when we err, as we all do at times. For whatever reason, some people feel the need to correct people all the time without letting the other person learn to hear the Spirit of God for themselves learning to hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit and respond to that conviction for themselves. In marriage counseling, I tell people all the time, you are not your spouse's Holy Spirit, which means you need to give the other person time to learn how to hear the voice of God for themselves. They don't always need you to tell them what's wrong. 
It's okay to check in with someone to see if they need help, but constantly jumping on them every time they do something wrong before they have a chance to work through it themselves will only make them resent you or become so reliant on you that they don't even never learn how to hear God for themselves. So right off the bat, our first response should be to help someone learn how to hear God for themselves. How do you teach someone how to hear God? Well, you tell them to begin reading the Bible. Not, not, not just 15 minutes a day or not to get through a bunch of chapters, but to read a little bit and then to stop and think, what, what is God speaking to me about my situation right now? And as they think about it with God's Word, let them begin to hear God's voice and write down what they believe God is speaking to them for the situation. Then have them bring that to you or a trusted brother or sister in Christ to let them know if they are really hearing God or if they're just telling themselves what they want to hear. But it takes time and practice. But that's our first goal is that each one of us hears the voice of God for ourselves so he can keep us on the straight path. But when someone is overtaken by any trespass or sin or a stronghold in their life, this passage commands those who are spiritual or those who are faithful in their walk with Christ to help restore their fallen brother or sister. But again, here's a warning. It says, you who are spiritual, no matter what version you have, it does not say you who are better than they are. When people approach someone in need with the wrong motivation, disastrous consequences can follow. For there are some people that mistakenly think that every fallen soul is another project for them to work on. Or they see another person who is in desperate need of their exclusive assistance. This can result in a very unhealthy relationship. Maybe you found yourself here before. Or maybe you know someone who does this frequently. This is called codependency. It's where someone strives in the crises and the stressful situations of others so that they can swoop in and help. In doing so, the helper is become even more dependent on the victim because in helping them, it's the only way that they feel appreciated and valued. And so this broken dysfunction continues as they are both codependent on one another. Thus the clarifier, you who are spiritual, also means you who are humble and dependent upon God. And if you are, and if you're willing to help a falling or struggling brother or sister without worrying about who gets the credit, then the goal should always be to restore another person. What exactly are we restoring? We restore what the enemy has taken by showing them how to receive the full life that Jesus came to give us. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus gives this analogy in this statement. He says, the thief, speaking of the devil, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The reason why this verse is so important is because it gives us the right perspective when we step into someone's life to help them. When we are seeking the restoration and the life of a Christian, it's important to see it as something that that person once had, such as peace, such as direction, such as faith or confidence or self-control, all these are given by the Holy Spirit. 
But for whatever reason, a wound or a sin has allowed the enemy to come into that person's life and attempt to steal or to kill or to destroy something in that person's walk with God. From this perspective, I don't come into a situation judging that person as a disgraceful sinner. I come into that situation looking at someone who had something stolen from them. It changes the compassion level when you go to help someone as we're commanded to do so. It's a completely different mindset. From this perspective, we use our judgment against the devil, but we reserve our compassion and grace and truth for the person in need. This is how we restore them with gentleness, as we're commanded to do. Gentleness is void of judgment. It's filled with encouragement in the Word. Also making sure that we use the real Word, not just the book according to me. Right? Don't worry, things will be a whole lot better tomorrow. That doesn't always happen. Don't worry, things will end soon. That doesn't always happen. There are some things that we tell people that's not in the Word because we feel bad for them. Like this often misquoted verse. People say, God will never give you any more than you can handle. How many people have ever heard that before? Do you know it's not in the Bible? Do you know it's anti-Bible? Do you know that God has to give you more than you can handle so that you will rely and depend on Him? No. That's not just a spiritual saying. That's detrimental. God has to give you more than you can handle so that you do turn to Him. So we need, as we're encouraging people in the Lord, we need to make sure we're giving them the Word of God. When we help others, our goal is to gently reconnect them with the Lord through His Word. A healthy and effective Christian is able to stay connected to the Lord in the face of each challenge and attack. It's the authenticity of this connection that gives us strength. For example, when before David became king, when he was serving under King Saul, he became very disheartened at times. And he learned to encourage himself in the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. You think you have a bad day? You think you have the right to complain? The people wanted to stone him. He was already anointed to be king one day, and the people wanted to stone him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Listen, we know that we are strong spiritually when we're able to encourage ourselves in the Lord. David did this by writing and singing psalms to the Lord to remind his soul of the truth. Sometimes our feeling overrides the truth and we need to remind ourselves of what God's Word says. I would rather agree with God, what God says about me than what my feelings say about me. So that as we spend time in the Word, we encourage ourselves in the Lord. To us, it means that we feed ourselves with the truth of His Word to nourish us and to sustain us and to strengthen us. Jesus echoed this same sentiment when He stood on the Word of God when He was to be strengthened during His time of testing. You remember this time. It's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus went to the desert to be tested and tempted. He fasted for 40 days. And then the devil came at him. When the devil came at him, Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 4, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
This, of course, is quoted from an Old Testament passage. In Hebrew, that word live, that man lives by the word of God, that word live is the word kaya, which means to revive, to give promise, to nourish, to recover, to repair, to restore, to make whole. That's what the word of God does. If we read it looking to be nourished, not just as a routine thing we have to do, but if we believe in the inherent power that's in the word, the word does restore us. It does cause us to recover and it does make us whole. If both Jesus and David strengthened or encouraged themselves in the Lord, then we ought to also be able to do the same thing when we are challenged. This strength and encouragement is all the more accessible to us because we have the entire Word of God at our fingertips. We also have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to convict us, to bring us truth, and to enlighten our minds so that we can understand the Word. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is He brings to remembrance His Word at a time when we need it, when we need to be strengthened for ourselves or to give to others. In helping others, this is where it's important to know your Bible, to know where to get encouragement, to know where to plug in a verse and invite someone to stand together with you on that truth. This is how you encourage someone in the Lord. It's how you reconnect them to Jesus. The goal of restoring a person is that we seek to restore the relationship with Jesus. But coming back to our initial command, we see a warning given by Paul. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. See, we are warned to consider ourselves when we're helping to someone who is overtaken by a sin. Why? So that we don't fall into that same situation. Don't think it can't happen because it happens to Christians all the time who don't consider themselves. What does it mean to consider yourself? First of all, if you are attempting to help someone who is overtaken, it means that the devil's influence is already strong in this situation. It means that just your logic or just your willingness is not enough to help. You need to know that you're going into a spiritual battle where the enemy is already exerting control and guilt and shame and fear and confusion. If you are considering yourself, you need to pray yourself up first. You need to make sure that you are strong in your faith. You must consider yourself first or you will be tempted to break your connection with God. This happens all the time when people go to help others. And then when their connection was broken with God, they give more of themselves instead of giving God the situation. Then we, then now we have two people who are in bondage. You may be tempted by the same sin that has overtaken this person. So a good way to enter this situation is to make sure that you cover yourself with humility at all times. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says this. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Remember the reason why any of us are able to currently stand strong against the enemy is because of a measure of faith that God has given us. It's not because of our logic or that we're better. It's not because we're better at praying or 
we devote more time. It's because God has given us a measure of faith to be able to do these things. It is this measure of faith that allows us to believe God at his word. It is this measure of faith that reminds us that when we fail and fall, and we all do, this measure of faith says, I can go to God to take care of it. I don't have to stay in my pity or my guilt or my shame. I can go be forgiven. It is this measure of faith given by God's grace that gives us confidence to face every challenge that comes our way. And it is also this measure of faith that the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy in the life of your brother or sister in need. An ever-conscious awareness of this faith is what keeps you humble. It keeps your dependence on God when you enter into situations in the lives of others. Understanding all this, you must remember who you are giving. You give someone Jesus, not yourself. You teach them how to be dependent upon Jesus, not on you. If you have a blind spot or an unhealed wound or a source of pride or an unhealthy motivation, it will tempt you to make the person to be dependent upon you. I went through my counseling degree at Central Michigan and part of our counseling training was we had to each go through several sessions of counseling ourselves to make sure we didn't have a blind spot. Because if we do, you will find that a lot of insecure counselors in the world will make people depend upon them. So that when they get broken again, they keep coming back to that counselor. And that counselor will resist terminating that client because they, they get something out of it. They get that thanks or that appreciation. We need to make sure that when we're with someone, we're, get, we're making someone dependent upon Jesus, not upon us. And yet it happens all the time. It happens more often than we realize. In fact, oftentimes it happens in churches and in ministries and in the lives of many because that person who is helping does not give all the praise to God. We need to be careful when you're helping someone that you know where that source of, of truth and recovery comes from. Every pastor, every Christian leader, every counselor, and every frontline worker is tempted to misappropriate the thanks or the appreciation or the need for a connection when coming to someone's aid. The way that we stay strong is we stay humble. And we give God the praise for being the answer and the source of strength for each and every situation. Psalm 46.1 tells us that God is our refuge and He is our strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He's always there. We just have to make sure we understand that connection to get, receive that help. This is what you give someone who's overtaken. This is what you remind yourself when God gives you the spiritual insight and the patience and the discernment to help others. The only way that we stay healthy and humble is by giving all the glory to God. And if we understand all these things, then we are ready to step into someone's life and to help them and bring godly restoration. Galatians 6 verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The way that the body of Christ functions is by each of us bearing the burdens of one another. But helping one another is not restricted to just coming alongside of those who are overtaken by sin. One of the greatest ways and the most common ways that we help each other 
to bear the individual burdens is by fervently and consistently praying for them. There are times when we may add a single prayer request into our prayers to the Lord, but there's also times when God lays a burden on your heart for someone and you cannot sleep and you cannot move and you cannot focus on anyone else because God keeps bringing that back to you and it becomes a burden that you have to continue to go to God, not just a one-time prayer, but continue to go to God to help carry that burden. And for someone who needs it, that's their only help, only hope for a sense of relief. They need you to help bear that burden. There are many challenges in being called to pastor a church with all the spiritual attacks, the demands and the expectations of others, the immediacy that so many of these requests present, and the absolute need to constantly find time to study without neglecting my family and job responsibilities that I have on a daily basis. But that said, one of the greatest blessings that I have is several people who pray for me because God has put it on their heart. Thank you, those of you who do that. It means so much more than you could ever realize. Those who are faithful to comply to God, not just I'll get around to it, but when God calls you for whatever reason, I'm going to pray right now because you have no idea what we go through on a daily basis. There's no other reason why I'm still standing here today at the pulpit except that faithful people have continued to fervently pray for their pastor and his family. Thank you, every single one of you. For the many blessings and gifts and cards, I thank you greatly because it allows Nancy and I to continue to be a light in this community where God has called us to be, that others might know the hope of His calling and the fullness of His love. But the gift of prayer that so many of you give to me and my family is very, very precious to our hearts. Like all of you, I have come to a much greater understanding of prayer after being in places where I know that prayer is the only answer for getting through. Taking upon yourself the burden of someone else's needs and prayers is crucial to that person making it through any given day or even any given moment, let alone any given situation. I know this because there's times when I'm faced with an immediate problem And I'm so involved in the details of it that I can't just stop and pray through everything that I need. Yet I know prayer is the answer. But I'm busy taking care of the details. I I expect that many of you could relate to this. And so I pass this burden on to someone else whom God has put in my life for this very reason. I have some very, very special people in my life that when I'm going through something, I can reach out to them and ask them to pray and they drop whatever they are doing and they pray right then and there so that I can focus on the needs of the details. I cannot thank you enough for doing that. And they often they thank me for asking them to pray for, for situations as well. That's what bearing the burdens is for someone else. You see, there are often situations where I'm too involved in a problem. I'm too committed. Or I'm too emotionally attached to pray without distraction, but I know that is necessary. I know that fervent prayer has to start. So I reach out to a few people. I consider them like minutemen. They're ready at a minute's notice to go to prayer to go before the throne of God. 
they're ready to spring into action and intercede for me at my request as soon as I share it. I'm very, very blessed. There are times when I'm too beaten down to go to God for myself. Yes, me, your pastor. And so I ask others to lift me up, and God is faithful. There are times when I'm too involved in the details of an issue, and I have to deal with other people and take care of their immediate needs. So I ask others to intercede and to bear my burden so that I can give myself to the task. And God is faithful. And like everyone else, there are times when I am too emotionally attached to an issue. And I'm being attacked by doubt. And I'm being attacked by pain or anger. And yet I know that prayer is the only thing that can break down the wall against me. And so I ask a trusted inner circle to bear my burden. And God is faithful. My hope is that you all can relate to these times that I have shared about my life. Times when I absolutely need prayer, but for whatever reason, I'm not able to commit the needed and undeterred fervent prayer for myself. That's what the body of Christ is for. If you've not got involved in a church or the body of Christ or prayer warriors or a prayer team or people who would love to pray for you, then you need to do that. I cannot tell you how much strength it gives us when someone else bears your burdens. This is why we need each other in the body of Christ. This is why it is so important that we bear the weight for others who are willing to share their needs with us. Listen, a successful church is not successful because of a pastor or a ministry or a worship team. A church is successful because of its members and friends devote themselves to bearing the weight of others through prayer. Each need, each situation, each challenge, and each heart is to be lifted up in prayer. I'm not kidding. There are people who wait for it to, act, to ask someone, ask them to take a need before God. Why would you hesitate? Why would you not ask them? This is what we're called to do as a church, as a living body. This is how we overcome. This is how we fulfill the law of Christ, to bear one another's burdens. And if you have a need that you right now are carrying by yourself, then I plead with you. Let go of your pride. Let go of your fear or your doubt and begin right now to turn it over to Jesus. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. He taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up, and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day.